Welcome back to Reality Asserts Itself on The Real News Network. I'm Paul Jay, and we're continuing our discussion with Professor Alexander Buzgallon. Thanks for joining us again. So, Professor Buzgallon teaches political economy and is director of the Center for Modern Marxist Studies at the Moscow State University. All right, so to understand where we are, you really got to watch the earlier segments, because I ain't going to sum it up. And we're into a fascinating story, so if, if you haven't, just stop right now and go back and watch. No, no, they can just understand that Soviet Union is collapsed. <laughs> Soviet Union yeah. is collapsed. All <laughs> and right. We have new so, and the reason the Soviet Union collapsed is because you went on vacation and you weren't there to stop it. Uh, Aha! <laughs> now we got it. Yeah. Now we got it. All right. You come back from the vacation and there's kind of no Soviet Union. Yeltsin's in power. And you're saying, what the hell happened? Yeah. Uh, really, when uh, officially Communist Party was forbidden and the uh, Soviet Union disappeared, uh, I must stress that uh, in this period, uh, people were tired from all this disorder. And uh, there is a question, why nobody came to protect Soviet Union? Uh, the question is important because uh, one year, even less than one year before, we had a referendum. And more than 70% said, we want to have new Soviet Union. But we do want to have Soviet Union. New one, more democratic, uh, not bureaucratic, but we do want. More than two thirds. And after that, nobody in the streets. Why? Because people lost uh, trust to the leaders. And leaders led to the collapse. First. And second, uh, we had a lot of this naive uh, belief that market will bring prosperity tomorrow. And again, the reason was uh, last years of Soviet Union, not even Gorbachev period, but before, last decades of the Soviet Union, we had growth of conformism, consumerism, and alienation. And this type of society will lead to the collapse of even quasi-socialist system, uh, inevitably. And this is fundamental reason. Uh, what we received, uh, model theoretical, not even theoretical, but for ordinary people, logic was simple. We have in Soviet Union oil, gas, raw materials, everything. We have good industry, maybe not the best in the world, but very good. We have very big number of intellectuals, wonderful education. What we don't have, we don't have market, which will create efficient economy. So now we will have market, we will have private initiative, and tomorrow we will have life better than in Sweden, because everybody wanted to have Sweden, not United States, with social polarization. What we received in reality? We received terrible crisis, 50% decline of production, 30% decline of average incomes, 30 because it, uh, you know this old joke, uh, what is average income? It's like in hospital average temperature. One guy is diet is dead, his temperature is 30. Another is terribly sick, his temperature is 40, but in average 36.6, everything is perfect. But average income were 30% less, 35% less. But for majority, it was more than 50% less. So it was terrible situation. 
uh, two million people were dead because of the poverty, hunger, absence of the apartments, and so on. It's a long story to explain. Infant mortality rates went up, longevity yeah, went down. It was, yeah, it was a so-called Russian cross. You, you, said it, you said in an earlier segment, shock without the therapy. Shock without therapy, yes. So it was very Closing radical. down of state enterprises? Yeah, it was uh, very radical privatization, liberalization, open economy. And very much promoted, guided, and assisted directly by the United States. Uh, yes, but it was uh, the only, uh, or not the only, but the most efficient variant to expropriate state social property and to create private business and to create a new class of bourgeoisie during one, two years. And this is the birth of the oligarchs. Yeah. And uh, it was very efficient, very smart idea, but for tiny minority who became very rich, and it was terrible catastrophe for majority. So when people say Gaidar, he was prime minister, and Yeltsin and all other made big mistakes. No mistakes. They made great game for them. And the price wasn't, doesn't matter for them. You know, there is such expression, to put airplane in the point of no return. It will be enough fuel to come back to the airport of the beginning. So the key idea for them was to put our country to the point of no return, no return to Soviet Union, no return to the quasi-socialist, but still more or less socialist system. And they did it very quickly, very efficient uh, transformation. Uh, a lot of people ask me as professional, as political specialist in political economy, why transformation from bureaucratic planning to market, which is more or less efficient in the United States, led to the crisis? So I will give very simple, maybe simplistic, too simplistic explanation, but we have interview, not lecture. Uh, there is parallel. Uh, market is uh, transportation in the city with private cars. And plane is like a subway. So if you want to move from subway transportation to private cars transportation, it's not enough to put bomb in the subway. It's necessary to have roads, it's necessary to have cars, it's necessary to have drivers and polite drivers. It's necessary to have, uh, I don't know, regulation in every crossroad. So it's necessary to build infrastructure, institutions, to have mentality and so on. And uh, what was done in 1991-1992? Explosive in the metro, explosive in the subway, nothing else. Planned system was completely destroyed by decree of president. One signature, no plan. No regulation of prices, no regulation of uh, exchange, nothing. Free economy. What we received? Uh, huge enterprise. 100,000 workers. Uh, we had uh, shadow business people. They had maybe one to 10 million dollars. Can they be owners of the enterprise with 100,000 workers? Can they pay them wage? Can they pay for the electricity, for the heat? No. What they made? They made, I don't know, from the enterprise, the place where vodka was uh, uh, sailing, yeah, or something like that. So this is explanation why we received this crisis. And it was until uh, growth of the struggle from below. Just so people get what's going on during this period, if I understand it correctly, you have this massive wealth of the Soviet Union, or Russia at that point, including state enterprises and natural resources and oil and mines and all of this, and it all starts getting privatized, sold off for a song. And, pe and, and uh, people at the higher levels of the state and such all start to 
cash in and own this stuff with paying very little to acquire these public assets. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, it's correct, yes. And we had very rapid, very brutal period of primitive accumulation of capital. I think you called it in an earlier interview, Jurassic Park capitalism. Yes, it's <laughs> true. It's an image. So it was uh, like dinosaurs fighting between each other. You know, it's monsters. Huge, uh, no, first of all, it was not huge corporations, but very quickly it was all concentration of capital in the hands of a few. Were the Americans a little disappointed that it was mostly Russian oligarchs grabbing all this and the Americans themselves couldn't directly grab more of it? Uh, it's partly truth. Partly because uh, uh, foreigners received a lot of uh, positive for them, of course, and negative for us results because of the free exchange rate of dollar. And for one dollar in Russia, you could live one, two days without any uh, restrictions for your consumption. It was a terrible situation. And the uh, very low prices for the oil and gas, so West received a lot. But uh, West uh, didn't have time to receive uh, control over all uh, natural resources. And uh, mainly because uh, Western, not because Yeltsin or Gaidar or anybody else uh, created barriers, but mainly because they were afraid that it is so terrible disorder that they will not keep control over this uh, oil and gas if they come. It was necessary to spend uh, billions of dollars without any guarantees. And everybody was afraid that tomorrow will be again restoration of Soviet Union. Why? Because from 1992, we had the enormous demonstrations and protest actions. It's not a very well-known story, but in the center of Moscow, we had rallies for two, three hundred thousand people. At demanding what? Demanding uh, stop privatization, demanding come back to Soviet system. Were you there? I was uh, among the, it was two wings. One, and the most popular, by the way, was neo-Stalinist wing. We must come back to the strong Soviet power without any democracy and so on. Let's forget about these games. And this is because of the, the, this is a way out of the chaos. Yeah, because people, undo, so logic was very simple. Democracy led to the chaos, poverty and so on. Even until now, the word democracy means power of Democrats in Russia. This is Russian translation of, of word democracy. And Democrats are those who are stealing everything in their pockets. Uh, this is a strange <laughs> interpretation of democracy, but this is a reality. So, uh, and it was democratic left internationalist wing. And we had Congress of Left Democratic Forces coordinating council of this Congress. And I was among the, maybe not leaders, but important people who were working in this direction. And uh, it's interesting that um, Parliament of Russian Federation, where we had left wing, relatively big left wing, started to prepare alternative to this policy. And we were among those who were experts. Uh, and the program was not radical socialism, socialist revolution, but more or less Chinese model. To stop brutal privatization, to keep uh, socialist state sector, to restrict uh, market, to have control over the prices, to support social justice and so on. So more or less left social democratic program with a little bit statist form, a yeah, little bit bureaucratic form. And uh, we had uh, big uh, meetings, uh, conferences, 1,000 uh, people, delegates from different uh, organizations, uh, groups, and it was prepared uh, and uh, in Parliament, we had nearly majority of support to this alternative. Not my program, but 
common program of this uh, movement. So 92, 93, 92, 93, 300,000 yeah. people in the streets. Yeah. But what about the broad section of the population? Are they sympathetic with this? Uh, absolute majority were sympathetic to these ideas. Uh, but not decisive to fight to go for revolution, let's say. Yeah. And wh where is the army? And the army has had, you would think, army such had, ideological training and all of this. terrible collapse. Because, first of all, during five years of Gorbachev power, it was terrible discreditation of army. Army is a source for disorder, for dictatorship, for killing, uh, and so on. And uh, in 92, in army was poverty. Soldiers and officers were hungry, simply. It was no money for them. So it's falling apart. Yeah, so they were in terrible crisis. And uh, summer 93, uh, it was prepared a program, alternative program to privatization and so on, to continuation of this shock therapy, shock without therapy policy. And uh, in early September, Yeltsin uh, said, parliament must be destroyed, dissolved. No more parliament. Close, go out. And in that period, uh, deputies uh, divided and majority stayed in the parliament. Parliament was blockaded by police. In, uh, in the September, October, it was the occupation uh, Parliament was occupied by deputies. Uh, police blockaded parliament, and we, it was permanent demonstrations and attempts to destroy this blockade. Uh, the problem was that in parliament we had mixture of uh, very authoritarian leaders who became strong leaders because they were decisive. Uh, Democrats, real Democrats, center, like, like Democratic Party of the United States, but uh, who wanted to have not dictatorship of Yeltsin and not disorder. Social Democrats, quasi-communists, so mixture of everybody. Uh, and no real leadership and um, not very good organization. And a lot of very different people around, Russian nationalists, communists, social Democrats, who were protesting. Again, 100,000 people, people uh, clashed with police, a lot of people were beaten, uh, and so on. And finally, uh, October 3rd, 2nd, we destroyed this blockade. It was a huge demonstration, and it was direct clash with police, and I partly participated in this. Uh, some policemen were killed, uh, a lot of people were killed. Blockade of parliament. Yeah, uh, but parliament was disblockaded. And after that, it was uh, maybe provocation, maybe stupidity, but a group of people decided to attack TV station, and they uh, made it in very brutal form and without success, because in that period, Yeltsin brought uh, some special forces, and people, a lot of, hundreds of people were killed before TV, and then it was a blockade again of parliament, and then tanks started to shoot to the parliament, and it was a very cynical and dirty situation when tanks were standing, shooting to parliament, and CNN was making an open-air report like TV, uh, like a football match. Oh, look, now there is a fire in this window. Look, now these uh, people are killed. Yeah. Uh, after that, we made book. Uh, uh, by the way, after that, it was uh, censorship. And uh, now, Yeltsin is fighting to consolidate this new oligarchy. Yeah. And, uh, amidst the chaos. Yeah, one minute we will come back, but it's important. Mm -hmm. After this victory of Yeltsin, 
we had the interesting newspaper, Independent Gazette, Nezavisimaya Gazette. And next day, this it was heroic, by the way, decision of chief editor, Tretikov, we, have, we are good friends with him. He published newspaper with empty first front page. Yeah, It was nothing in front page, a symbol of censorship. And I'm proud that with our friends, we organized in small museum in the center of Moscow, first press conference about all these events. It was uh, 90 cameras, but mainly Westerners. And it was no report, by the way, in Western media, because we said truth about this. Uh, Which was? It was uh, that uh, Yeltsin really made anti-constitutional uh, coup. And, uh, Applauded by the West. Yeah, and people were killed. A lot of people were killed for nothing. Not for nothing, they were protecting. When I can I, say social democratic model of transformation, bourgeois transformation, but social democratic model of transformation. When I hear descriptions of Yeltsin as a personality, it, it almost sounds Trump-like. Uh, yes, similar. Yeah. Uh, right wing, uh, decisive. I don't know, maybe the only difference. I don't know if Trump is drinker or not, but Yeltsin was. Uh, so <laughs> this is a not very important difference. Uh, so we made this first press conference with friends, created a network for, freedom, for democracy and human rights. And uh, it was not, of course, a key factor, but it was one of the factors uh, which led to the uh, elections, but not to the dictatorship. So it was big opposition to dictatorship. And finally, we received presidential model of democracy, quasi-democracy, but still not dictatorship. Uh, to go faster, in '96 we had new presidential elections uh, in spring. In uh, January, uh, Zyuganov, leader of Communist Party, re-established Communist Party, had uh, up to 50% according to opinion polls, and Yeltsin had less than 10. But then money of International Monetary Fund, propaganda, and very not brave, unbrave behavior of leaders of Communist Party, led to the 50-50 result when it was elections. And Zyuganov said, no, no, I lost. I don't pretend to be president. So it was the beginning of collapse, not collapse, but decline of popularity of Communist Party. And so, at that time, they're advocating a program essentially like a European social democracy yeah, or something. Yeah, uh, Communist Party was a little bit uh, nationalist, uh, but uh, in economic and social sphere, like left social democrats, nothing radical. And so who becomes president? Uh, in '96, Yeltsin again. And then we moved to the uh, Putin's presidency uh, in a new epoch in 21st century. But so, this is another story. Okay, in the next segment, we'll, we'll talk about a whole new phase and uh, the rise of Putin and what he represents on Reality Asserts Itself with Professor Booz Gallen on the Real News Network.